Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. Um, we've, we've got lots to go over in regards to trades. Um, the smaller ones, we're just going to kind of go over quickly, give a quick like synopsis. Like, I mean, you know, perfect example, uh, Jack Johnson goes back to Colorado, that kind of thing. Like it's a small kind of trade. So nothing really, really too big going on there. But, uh, but yeah, there's some biggies. There's some interesting ones. That's for sure. And then there's you and the CFHL. That, that, wow, not just me. There, easy. There's, there's a, there's a lot of us. We're all in contention. You're still in contention. This, my well, win brought you the, closer. So, oh yeah. <clears throat> um, well, you heard about the uh, trade the Leafs made today. Yes. For, uh, gosh, what's his name again? Uh, McCabe and La- Jack McCabe. and Lafferty. Yeah, and Lafferty. Yeah, which is a smart move. Yeah. Uh, okay. Full disclosure: we're we're in the show right now. We're Starting with around the boards because there are we're in even if <clears throat> even if it's <laughs> even if it's just a quick mention there's enough to go over it and then I've got a couple of things to say at the end which I think you've seen in the show notes so um, but let's go over them one at a time uh, fine tooth comb but some of them don't really need too much of a of a brushing so let's just let's get right into it so trade number one so Boston gets Dmitri Olav and Garnet Hathaway and Washington gets. Craig Smith, Andre Svetlakov, 2023 first, 25 second, 24 third, retained 50% of Orlov cap hit. And then Minnesota's involved in there too. They get a 2023 fifth, and they'll retain 25% of Orlov cap hit. Now, can you explain to me the, the concept of this one? What Outside of getting a fifth round 2023 for Minnesota, they've had to retain some cap hit on a player that never played for them. Explain to me the concept here. How does this work in their favor? At the end of the day for Garen and the wild, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really a hundred percent sure why Minnesota feels they need to do this, but the only thing I can kind of think of is that, you know, Minnesota is going to be hard up here and, and, and up against the cap because of those buyouts for Parisian Suter, right? And I think that's for the next, still next couple of years. <clears throat> okay. So I don't know if they're kind of just saying, listen, you know, why don't we, you know, we can, so why don't we try and facilitate this a little bit and get some sort of asset out of it just for being a conduit between these yeah. two teams in, in, in all essence. Okay. Um, it, obviously, you know, we're getting closer to the end of the year here your cap hits kind of uh, have, have kind of gone down now in regards to what they're actually still owed. So uh, when it comes to actual money, basically Minnesota kind of comes in there and says, okay, well that, that I believe the way it would go is Washington's retaining 50% of that. Yeah. So Boston, Boston has to take 50 and I believe what Boston basically got Minnesota involved in is we're, you know, we, we'd like to still, possibly either make moves or need to do this to be able to make this move. So they basically say, Minnesota, can you take half of that 50? Yeah. So they got 25 and Boston's got 25. So really just a facilitator more than anything else. That's the only thing I can think of from Minnesota's point of view personally, Mm -hmm. um, in regards to Boston, 
and and I, I don't I don't think I'm going to repeat everything that's been repeated on Twitter <laughs> and everywhere else. Uh, the rich get richer, and yeah. I mean, I, I, again, you can sit there and say Dmitry Orlov, like, what are you talking mm, about? Mm-mm. But keep, but but you have to keep in mind, like, okay, first and foremost, <clears throat> the guy is at the very, 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 very least a serviceable yes, defenseman, hundred percent, like, period. Uh, I I don't need uh, a guy that's going to score seventy five points as a defenseman. Not on this I team. I don't necessarily need. Not on this team. I don't necessarily need some guy who's going to crush everybody all over the place. I mean, boss, the the record <clears throat> we talked about it last week, Marty. The, the yeah. records there and everything, and I won't beat this uh, trade to death, but I will say, I mean, Boston did what Boston needed to do. Yeah, you, you're taking a, you're taking another option away from some of these other teams and strengthening your own. And listen, everybody knows. Anybody who's a hockey fan in the playoffs, you can never have enough defensemen. No, I, I know it's like you know, one of those you know tried, tested, <clears throat> true sayings, but yeah. it's true. No, yeah. like it, it's it, it's needed. And on I a mean, team that didn't actually I'm, need to go out and find themselves specifically one thing over another, they did something that, in my opinion, the bet the rich get richer. So Orlov, you went out and you got someone who is now on your top defensive pairing with McAvoy, and he's on your second power play unit next to Lindholm. So you went out and you got someone who's plugging a hole that, and I'm calling it a hole, but it, it's not even really a hole. <laughs> you just you you. It's almost like you drill the hole to to put something in it, uh, and that thing that you're putting in it was better than what was there before. So, like, it, it's all good. It's all good from Boston's perspective. They didn't need to do a single damn thing. But like you said, that's a good point that you said. Maybe a lot of this was a way of blocking other players. Because as we know now, Washington are sellers. Um, so maybe Orloff was available to another team. Word gets around. Boston says, ah, ah we're going to squash that. We're going to take him, and we're going to get a little bit better. Just as a little side note here, Garnet Hathaway is from the Boston area. And you, you, you just know how a player like that, like he's going to so give it his all. Oh, yeah. Like I, I could just see this guy. I could see this guy making a difference in the playoffs. And I'm not saying the guy's going to be scoring hat tricks all over no, the no, place, no. but just a big, just a big goal or a big hit or big momentum changer. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, I get, the, I get, and I get that same kind of feeling uh, with this next trade. Boston gets Shane Bowers out of Colorado uh, and Colorado just wants a little bit of depth and goal. Uh, probably in conjunction with uh, the injury history from uh, Francis, yeah, uh, their backup. So now the reason why I said what I said is because as soon as I saw Shane Bauer's name going to Boston, now for those of you who don't remember, if I'm not mistaken as well, he is a uh, a former first round cho- uh, draft choice. Um, I believe out of Ottawa, if I'm not mistaken. You're right. First round, 28 Colorado overall Ottawa Senators. Ottawa. Yep. 2017. But here, but here's my thing. I just get the feeling like Boston's going to make something of that. And I don't know yeah. why that scares me. Just good culture. They know what they're do- like. It's it's just a great organization. Yeah. It's running like a well-oiled machine right now. And I just feel like they can do a little bit of damage. I won't say much more on that trade. It's kind of just an in and out here. Yeah. Uh, basically minor leaguers or, or fringe NHLers. Yeah. So uh, nothing there. But again, I think Boston can... There's a fear in me as a Montreal Canadiens fan that Boston can actually make something of this. Anyway, moving on, trade three. <laughs> Joel, you will not like this. <clears throat> oh, you don't think he likes this trade? So Vancouver gets Vitaly uh, uh, Krav- so, no, because Krastoff, and then it, they it, lose it, William Lockwood in a 2026 seventh. Why doesn't Joel like this? Um, well, I mean, unless there's something 
that he's enamored with in regards to this particular player. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Kravtsov was a 10th overall pick. Uh, I want to say three, four, four years ago, maybe three, four years ago. Um, he fits the bill, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that your brother is not in line with in regards to how this team should kind of go about their business. And that's kind of taking on like a, a, a bust or, uh, you know, a, a, a B prospect, if you will. I know yeah. this is, we're talking about a 10th overall pick, but at the same time, that has <clears throat> not panned out whatsoever. And I'm sure no. there are easily a handful of other players that w- would now be taken uh, above him at 10. Um, so, you know, obviously, the, you know, it's one of those things where they're kind of t- trying to, you know, a reclamation project, if you will, in regards to Kravtsov, just hasn't panned out in in New York. Ooh. The guy went back to Russia and then came back again uh, to the New York Rangers, and it's just again still hasn't worked out. So, not really sure your brother's liking that trade, but um, Vancouver does go out and get some sort of youth um, for what is seeming seemingly going to be a, a rebuild here, and I'm just not sure if they're willing to admit that right now. I mean, Lockwood, the guy that they gave up for him to, who by his own rights is basically a project as well that hasn't totally panned out either. However, he is doing slightly better. He's got 12 goals in 26 games at the AHL level. Whereas, and I just closed it, of course. Um, Yeah, there it is. So Vitaly's got six points, three goals, three assists in 28 games in the NHL. Um, So he hasn't been sent down or anything, but still... We're not seeing much headway there for Vitaly. And he's got 48 games in the NHL level, all told, 10 points. Um, and then throughout his career, playing in the KHL, not exactly a, a guy who has been tearing it up anywhere he goes. So I can see I can see why Joel may not be, or Canucks fans in general, may not be exactly thrilled with this because they gave up um, a player, well, essentially two players, uh, Lockwood, and a 2026 seventh overall. So that's, yeah, that's, it suggests that uh, Kravstov has a lot to offer and I'm not convinced. So like you said, yeah, maybe uh, one of these failed projects um, types of players that, yeah, Canucks fans are probably tired of. Now, uh, the next trade that we have here for you is certainly, the player involved is certainly not a project uh, by any stretch of the means. No. Uh, Winnipeg goes out and gets Nino <clears throat> Niederreiter. And Nashville gets a 2024 second rounder. So we obviously kind of see what Nashville is somewhat doing here. Uh, yeah. I, sorry, I wouldn't even say somewhat. We kind of really see what they're doing here. They're uh, yeah. they're definitely sellers here, uh, of course, at the deadline. They're going to try and restock and see what's going on there. Uh, and, of course, uh, news out of Nashville uh, today that uh, Barry Trotz will be taking over as GM. And uh, David Poyle is stepping yeah. down. So there, there was all of our uh, Barry Trotz uh, yeah. uh, potential la- landing spots. Nope, he's going back <laughs> no. home. Yeah, he's going to stick as there a GM 15, too. Years. Like, he, yeah, exactly. Yes, this is a new chapter for him in his life. So he took some time to reflect about what is it that I want to do next, and he thought GM Nashville makes sense. And I can see that. I can see that I'm making a lot of sense for Barry. So uh, big shoes to fill, though. Uh, it's not like David Poyle was actually that bad of a GM at all. He. You no, know, he never won a cup. Came close uh, with Nashville, uh, and and just overall a very well respected GM throughout the league. So, but this move um, to me, Winnipeg obviously thinking long term uh, sustainability uh, and and holding on to some talent. Uh, going out and getting Nino Niederreiter is not just good for this year, but it's good for a little bit for the future as well. So, smart move for Winnipeg. Uh, of course, they came back and then they got blanked. 
uh, on their very first game with the, or no, he wasn't on the team yet, but the very next game after the trade, they got blanked by uh, the Islanders, I believe. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, good trade. I think Winnipeg uh, did a smart move by this. I don't think the, the cost of it was too expensive. So uh, everything seems to fit right in place. Have to agree. I think that uh, it's a pretty good move for for the Jets, kind of beefing up a little bit. And I mean, as we all all can see, uh, the real arms race seems to be in the East. So you know what, Winnipeg goes out there, gets themselves a proven secondary uh, score uh, to what really is amounting to a little bit of a weaker path to get deep into the playoffs in the Western Conference. Not saying that there aren't some teams, some great uh, teams to go through, but uh, the East certainly seems to be the uh, the beast this year for sure. Yeah. Um, next tr- next trade up actually <clears throat> in- involves my Habs. Um, and and th- you know what? Th- this is kind of the, the trades or any kind of deals that I expect moving forward here out of Montreal okay. over the next little while. Um, you know, may- maybe, maybe uh, Joel Edmondson, uh, as long as he can... Yeah. As long as the guy can get healthy here, it could potentially. Uh, well, I do see him moving as long as somebody uh, does show some interest, even with the injury uh, history here over the past couple of uh, couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Montreal goes out and gets Dennis Gurianov, twenty five year old, uh, pretty speedy kind of guy, and uh, six foot three, so adding a little bit of size there. And they, you know, Montreal gets out of uh, the the Dadanoff, uh situation. I mean, obviously he was just kind of playing out the string in all reality. <clears throat> yeah. uh, I think even he was pretty well aware that he was going to be moving at the deadline and yeah. se- seemed to kind of be playing uh, as such over the last little bit. But um, but you know what, Dallas, he goes basically the the way reason why I like the move for Dallas uh, is the fact that DeBoer gets somebody that he's familiar with. I, I I'm not going to really sing the praises of the players so much, but obviously it just wasn't working out between Gurianov and uh, DeBoer or the or the coaching staff, whether it was a trust issue, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and of course the coach now gets somebody that he's familiar with and is probably going to use a little bit more uh, in, in a trusting fashion. So. Yeah, uh, not a bad trade for Montreal. I, that's no, it's a smart trade. Um, move, I kind of see that moving forward for the Habs, and we'll get into that a little bit later too. Okay. Trade number six. Good lord, Vegas gets Ivan Barbashev, and St. Louis gets Zach Dean. I, I honest, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm just discovering this trade right now. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know this one happened. Um, this is, and to me, this is kind of a big deal. Barbashev, uh, well, big deal. Sorry. Barbashev, um, you know, great season last year, uh, I believe. Yeah, 60 points, 26 goals. Uh, so he's got it in him. Uh, he's still relatively young in a sense. He's 27. Um, he's got talent for sure. I think there's a lot more going on with St. Louis. So this year, 10 goals, 19 assists, 29 points in 59 games. Not a good indication of what he's capable of doing. I think... I do think somewhere around the 25 goals a season is kind of where he is. So this is kind of a, a good thing for Vegas because they get someone who can, I'm assuming he will be uh, probably second line, um, maybe maybe a little further down. But he should see, oh no, he's actually on the first. So they got him first line with Eichel and Marsha Show. And is he on the power play? He is on the second power play unit, but that's got Carlson, Kessel, Marsha Show, and Piertangelo. So he's in a good spot. Um, Vegas needed to do something. I'm not sure that the fans are necessarily going to go, Hey, this is the answer. Um, but it could be like, he's got one of those, he's one of those sneaky players that could 
pan out in the right situation and all of a sudden you've got someone who's who goes on on a tear in the back end of the season where he's you know going to contribute maybe 15 20 goals not maybe not 20 maybe like 15 goals for them on the back end of the season and then run that into the playoffs so it's a it's a smart move for vegas it didn't cost them much zach dean i don't know much about i don't know mike if you know anything about him um but i don't think it's it's because it's a straight up deal player for player I don't mm. think uh, Zach Dean. Zach Dean carries with him a lot of promise. Uh, he just hasn't get, been given a chance. He's in the queue right now. He's obviously doing very well. He's he is a good player. Uh, I believe he's a first round pick, um, yeah. and he also played for our Canadian juniors over the uh, over the holiday season there, right? Uh, as well. So, the, the, you know, they're not getting. I'm basically saying this because they're not getting some, like a B prospect, if you will, right? Like this is, mm-hmm. as it stands right now, it's a pretty pretty decent prospect out of the Vegas system, and uh, I got to tell you, I I really don't I really don't mind what St. Louis is doing here. I won't uh, talk to death about it, but uh, I, I really don't mind um, them kind of a little bit of a refresh. Like obviously, there's too much talent there still. Uh, would they like to maybe move out some other guys? Uh, you know, I don't think it's necessarily at this deadline, but uh, yeah. guys like Shen. I mean, you're moving, you're moving. My point is you're moving towards uh, a Thomas and, and Kairou kind of uh, era here. So I, I really don't mind what they're doing. They're kind of stockpiling a little bit, you know, getting a few, um, a few uh, first. I, I'm, actually, I don't think they have two first, but I know they have one first rounder out of all this. Okay. So, they're, you know, they're, they're getting themselves some, uh, some youth coming up the pipeline here. So I, I don't mind what St. Louis is doing at all. Okay. Uh, next up, next up, we got the big one. Yeah. Now, the thing that the thing that really got on people's nerves, I think, is the fact that everybody came out with the information in regards to what New Jersey was getting, and then we waited for like three hours to find out what San Jose was getting. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so long story short, I mean, there 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 are several players involved in the deal, and I'll go over it really quickly here. So New Jersey gets their big fish. You know, they were linked to Timo Meyer, and they get him. Um, I think there was uh, uh, some some contract talks going on in the background. I think they were trying to actually sign him to an extension and get that news out at the same time, but just wasn't able to happen. Gotcha. But uh, along with Meyer, along with Meyer, they get Scott Harrington, yeah. uh, Timur Ib- Ibrahimov. Gimov? Yeah, that's the best I can do there. <laughs> Santeri Hitaka and Zachary Edmund, plus a fifth round pick in 2024. San Jose retains 50% of the Meyer salary. They get Andreas Johansson, Fabian Zetterlin. Oh, God, I can't even. Shakir, and his last name starts with an M. That's all we're going to go here, folks. <laughs> New Jersey Devil fans. I, I, I'm, I apologize profusely. I'm not even going to try this. I will absolutely butcher it. As a matter of fact, I may even butcher the next guy, too. And Nikita Oktiuk. Oh, Actually, I didn't do nice. too bad there. I, I and think on so, top, yeah. And and on top of that, thank God that's all that we have for this. <laughs> on top of that, a, 20, a 2023 conditional uh, first round pick, a 2024 conditional second round pick as well. Uh, conditions I wish I'd love, I, I wish I could tell you what they are. I do not know uh, at this particular moment. And they also get a seventh round pick in 2024. So there you go. Basically, guys, New Jersey gets Timo Meyer. Yeah. So there you <laughs> yeah. have it. And and the Sharks are the Sharks are gonna basically end up getting a first round pick down the line here. So yeah. that's the end of that. So yeah. Um good move. Good move for New Jersey. Adding adding more weapons. We're gonna I'm gonna talk about another weapon that's coming into his own for the Devils as well a little bit later on, Beauties and the Beast. 
But uh, you know what? This is the guy that, that New Jersey wanted. They got him. Uh, win, win for New Jersey. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say in regards to that. Other than the Leafs go out and make a move as well. Or sorry, not the Leafs. My, oh my God, my apologies. The Tampa <laughs> Bay Lightning. We got to get that out of the way first. Oh yeah, before sorry. The Leafs. Oh my God. Before the Leafs. Um, my question to you is going to be: Was it an overpay? Yes or no? Don't give me the answer. Let me go over the trade first, and then I'll get that answer <laughs> from you. Okay. So Tampa Bay goes out and gets Tanner Janot. Uh, kind of an abrasive type of player. You know, he's going to be throwing his weight around, probably more of a third-line role with, on on uh, on that team with Nick Paul. Uh, what Nashville acquires from Tampa Bay in, re- in return for Tanner Janot is Cal Foote, a 2025 top 10 protected first-round pick, a 2024 second-round pick, a 2023 third-round pick, a 2023 fourth-round pick, and a 2023 fifth round pick. Marty, overpay, yes or no? Uh, yeah, it's an overpay. Um, I, you, can, you can try and convince them, or anyone for that matter, that it's not an overpay because maybe Tampa sees something, fine. Um, and I, I would imagine that they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given them what they want. Now, the rumor is that apparently Nashville actually wanted two first-rounders. Uh, that obviously did not happen. But listen, Tampa wants what it wants. They're a smart organization. There's not many people out there that, that would, do a, would do this kind of move feeling that the risk-reward wasn't in their favor. So there's a reason for this move. There's a reason... Not so much like, and there's a reason for the, for the overpay too. Like sometimes you just, you just kind of have to take it on the chin. And in in this case, I think that's Tampa sort of going, okay, look, we told them no in the two first rounders, but we've got to make this happen somehow because Tanner's not fits for this reason and whatever that reason is. So you go out and you make it happen. Uh, We've all, we've all, even as fantasy managers, you're, you find yourself in that position every once in a while and you're like, but I want this guy. So you do it. You make it happen. Now, I can't think of a reason why Tampa desperately needs a Tanner Janot. I I don't. I have to assume. I I feel like there's a there's potentially a history there somewhere with maybe the the line mates or the coach or something. But um, listen, right now he's slated to be third on the third, even strength, third line with Nick Paul and Ross Colton. Um, And he is nowhere to be found in the power play unit. So yes, this is an overpay. 100% this is an overpay. There's no other way to put this. I I did get into it a little bit on Twitter with this one guy who was, you know, trying to carry the water for Tanner Janot and saying like, you know, Tampa must want him for some reason and there's no reason to, to downplay Yes, there is. Like it, it's okay to 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 be a player that is aware that people are saying it was an overpay to get you. Feel proud about that. Feel good. Feel good that a team wanted you so badly that everybody else feels like they overpaid. Let the team that that went out and overpaid prove why you're worth it and help you and help you get there. Um, but again, right now, 
Third line, even strength, nowhere near the power play. Uh, sorry, is he on the penalty killing unit? He is not. So you got a, you went out I and imagine paid. He is. Oh, he, he is not. He's not. You went out and you paid that much for a guy who's going to play maybe 15 minutes on third line duty. Okay. Convince me it's not an overpay. I, and I don't know how you could do that. <laughs> like I, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Uh, and I believe uh, Frank Cervelli said that one of the GMs, he didn't name who, so one of the GMs in the league, his jaw dropped and, and literally he said, what the fuck? And I think that's apropos. But again, this is Tampa Bay we're talking about. These are not stupid people. This is a very well-run machine in Tampa. They don't make very many mistakes, if any. So there's a reason for this overpay. And it's okay. It's okay to overpay sometimes. When you really want something and you've got a reason for it, then you go out and you do it. It's not obvious right now, at least not to us. But if at the end of the season they end up winning a cup, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they overpaid at all. It's worth it. So... We'll see. What about you, Mike? Do you think it's an overpay? You know what? I, I would have to agree with you um, that it isn't that it is an overpay. Yes. I mean, you know, it, it's and if I'm being really honest, it's not so much like a first rounder. Like, you know, you know how it is. Like whenever a team really wants a guy, you know, the first rounder kind of comes into play. I mean, with Tampa Bay, this thing's going to be like pick. Yeah. Like, 27 28 29 like it's going to be right at the back half or the the back end there yeah um i i where where i can make a small point for the lightning is this the, the chances of a fifth round pick being you know ending up as tyler janot or fourth round or third you know the the, the percentages are are fairly low but what kind of it's a copycat league a little bit right now maybe not so much with trades because there's so many more variables to it you know what's the the, the gm's risk reward tolerance all this kind of bit right right but but you know you'll have some kind of gm out there be like well yeah but look what nashville got for not <laughs> you know what i mean there'll be that kind of thing going on yeah and i'm just like like look Tampa Bay's been to the last two cups. They've been to a final. Okay. Mm -hmm. This trade, as soon as I saw it, screamed Brandon Hagel to me. Oh. Uh, it, it screamed Nick Paul. Oh. And and what I mean by that, and what I mean by that is, it's generous. I, I mean, basically, basically with those three. Well, no, but what what I, it's that type of a deal, though, right? I mean, look what they paid for Hagel. Two firsts. Yeah. So maybe because Janot is young. I, he is young. Yeah. And he last year he had 24 goals no, and, and he was seventh in the Calder race. So and that maybe. And that's what I'm wondering as well. Is there already been some discussion about re-signing the guy for cheap for I mean, very cheap? Yeah, you're right. Thousand dollars. True. So no, but and, and that's what kind of where I'm headed here. The guy's making eight hundred eight hundred thousand this year. So it's not like you're, you know, you, you can obviously anticipate uh, uh, his salary for next year to a certain degree. You know, he's not asking for $5 million. Yeah, that's like, true. That's not happening. So 
So, you know, does Tampa Bay get this guy for another couple of, like, and I mean sign him to a two- or three-year contract that's, Greg, I don't know, like two mil? Yeah. Maybe even less? Yeah. I mean, Brandon Brandon Hagel is at 1.5 this year and next. Good Lord. Which which is half the reason why, which is half the reason they had to pay up a little bit because they were getting, remember last year we talked about this when they got him. They were getting him for three playoffs last year, this year, and next. Right. At one point five million dollars, but oh like this God. is a team that's looking for to save any. So, so this is yeah. That's okay. what I'm saying. I wonder if we're going down th- this kind of Brandon Hagel road, where this guy they're going to end up signing him in the off season, or hell, for all I know, sign him in a week. Yeah, to yeah. one point yeah. seven five for the next uh, one point seven five for the next two, or I don't know two two point two five for the next three, whatever it is. Yeah, like, whatever the you know the going rate is for a guy like him with his numbers and, and such, but I don't know. Good. In, in my, in my personal opinion, good move for Tampa Bay. Um, you know, losing the, all these picks at some point will come back to haunt you a little, a little like, you would, yeah, you need to stock up the cupboards here at some point. So, I mean, they basically got rid of three 2023 picks, a third, fourth and a fifth. Yes. But like, you know, you, now, granted, like you said, Marty, they're a good organization and they're they're pretty damn good at finding diamonds in the rough. So yeah. maybe they feel more than one hundred percent comfortable making this move. So, hey, they they've been to three finals in a row. They know we more really about running a hockey here. team than we do. <laughs> That's for sure. Just our petit peur. Our petit, our petit peur. peur. <laughs> uh, trade. So listen, we'll we'll keep it moving here because we could talk about that trade all day long. Um, trade eight. Chicago gets Andreas Englin, and Colorado gets Jack Johnson back for another run. Gotta love it. Jack Johnson back in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, I guess we gotta love it. Um, I know I know Jack Johnson early on in his career <clears throat> had, like, had more promise. Uh, he's very much a role player now, uh, and he'll step into that organization. He'll do exactly what's expected out of him. Uh, he won't log massive mid- minutes. I believe he'll probably land somewhere around uh, 16, maybe 17 minutes a game, all depending on injuries, obviously. Um, and that's incredibly serviceable. You really need a player that you can just sort of rely on like that. Um, did, did Colorado need to do this? I think because of the type of season they've had, especially with injuries, um, yeah, they kind of did. I just, I would have liked to have seen maybe somebody else. But Jack Johnson probably comes in at a very reasonable price. Uh, Andreas Englund, you know, what's his story? What's what's the reason that Colorado was willing to let go of him? Only Joe Sackick really knows the answer to that. But this makes sense. Um, they they're obviously getting ready for a, a playoff run uh, to defend the cup. Jack Johnson can help them do that, so it makes sense. And the last big one here would have the Leafs uh, this afternoon actually making another move, um, and they go out and get the defenseman that everybody was expecting them to get. <laughs> uh, Jake McCabe comes in from Chicago along with Sam Lafferty a conditional fifth round pick in 24, a conditional fifth round pick in 25. And in return, Chicago gets Joey Anderson, Pavel Gogolev, a conditional first round pick in 2025, a second round pick in 2026, 
and Chicago also retains 50% of McCabe's salary. So, I mean, the Leafs went out and got their guy up front, little sandpaper. Yeah. Knows how to win. Been through the trenches. Been there, done that. Now they go out and get a an abrasive defenseman. He he, he can throw his weight around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they get Laffer- Lafferty as well, which I think could be a nice little sneaky move for them too. So with, uh, with acquiring Lafferty and... Um, Noel Achari, who they got out in St. Louis as well, the, yeah. both the secondary pieces in each trade. Uh, you're really kind of filling in that bottom six. And listen, it, it, I think it's going to go through Boston, uh, one way or another here. And the Leafs are giving themselves a, a decent chance. Um, we'll see how this plays out for them, but. They needed to do it, Marty. They needed to do it. This is this is this is their time. And yeah, we'll talk and I, th- about- I think more than anything, it's more that Dubas had to do it. Um, Dubas had yeah. to go all in, which is again, we will talk a little bit about that later on as it relates to the Edmonton Oilers and Ken Holland. But Dubas knows that, like his his, his contract's up at the end of the year, so obviously for him, it's go big or go home. Now these 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 names don't necessarily mean big, um, but they don't need to be because all he's doing is just solidifying areas and making sure and just sort of plugging in areas and, and that's fine. Um, coincidentally, Sam Lafferty is actually having himself quite the career year. So, like I think you're right, that might actually be the sneaky steal of this trade that might be the Sam Lafferty might actually be the part that people need to pay a little bit more attention to rather than Jake McCabe Jake McCabe you'll get what you get with him you know what you're getting and it's great uh and especially the 50% salary cap hit he's got two more years after this of, of on on his contract so uh, the Maple Leafs look very good for another two years with him if that's the piece that you feel that kind of solidifies this this trade but there's there's a bigger question mark I, I don't know that all of this is necessarily the pieces that were that like make sure you get this. Like I, I don't know that that's what it is with Toronto because now you know and everyone's saying like oh Toronto looks amazing, look great up and down, you know, and that, and they've got the experience, the hardships of of doing this year after year of not getting past the first round or whatever it is. Like they they've got the experience, so the, it, it's all there. But I think, honestly, I think one thing that they're all, no one's really, Dubas is doing well, but I don't think he, he can do anything about his biggest issue, which is goaltending. Um, McCabe and, and, and McCabe's going to do his part. The defensive core in Toronto is pretty good. Um, there's nothing major there that really needs to be done. But, I, and, and it's just a nets. I know they would rather have Murray going into the playoffs but there's no there's no consistency with Murray. If he's healthy enough to go into the playoffs, fine. But he'll go down after the first or second game or the first practice in the play, like at any given point. So there's no reliability there. Um, and Samsonov, while has sh- been showing that this year could be could be uh, a bona fide starter in the NHL, where you put the load on him and he can handle it. And in fact. 
he's done very well at playing back-to-back games a lot this season. He's he's done very well at coming in when he's not feeling the greatest or and really saving the day for them. And I and I do have hope that he becomes their 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 starter going forward because of play because he's earned it in the regular season, but you and I both know and everyone in hockey knows. Regular season is one thing. The playoffs is an entirely different beast. And unless Sam, until Sansonov can prove that he can do something great in the playoffs, he'll always just be that. He'll be a big giant question mark. So in my opinion, the biggest hole for the Toronto Maple Leafs is, hasn't even been sniffed at. And I don't even think that Dubas can do anything about it because he pushes chips all in on Murray and Samsonov. It's too late now. That ship has sailed. It's this or nothing. So he did right by going out and getting uh, a defensive defenseman. And that was a smart move. I just, I'm not convinced. Of all the years that we've seen the Maple Leaf squad come up with a team and play out a season and go into the playoffs, we've said it before, this team looks good, this team looks different, there's hope for this. We've said it a lot of times. Um, This is one of the first years where I'm looking at this team. And like last year, was it last year they had their best season in franchise history was it was it not last season i believe so okay. yes so the and think of that an original 6 team had their best season ever last year and what did they do in the playoffs well they didn't win a cup so <laughs> that's all that needs to be said really so if that was their best team last year and they had uh, a, a fairly good goalie going into it Looking at what they have now, it's a bigger question mark in Nets. I feel this team isn't isn't remotely close to being what they need in the playoffs. But maybe that's exactly what they need in the playoffs. <laughs> maybe they need people to doubt them. I'm, I'll, I'll be one of those doubters because, listen, for me, it's just a matter of the division that you play in. Ah, uh, fudge. I mean, you got you got. I mean, you're going through Boston and Tampa Bay here. Yeah. Bunch like, of you, you, you gotta be kidding me. Like it, it like it looks like they're gonna get Tampa Bay in the first round again. <laughs> oh, God. I mean like, And they just went out and got Tanner Janot. Well, Good mean, luck. <laughs> but that that like you're just you're up against some juggernauts here. Yeah. So and, and I have to agree with you, Marty. I mean, great moves up front, great move on, on D. Uh there's just nothing that you can do with the defense, uh with the uh the goaltending. No. It, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I think Samsonov is your starter mm-hmm. uh, by, by default, really, in all reality. I mean, Murray just can't yeah. stay healthy. Um, would they love? Would they have loved to go, go with Murray? I think that was the plan all along yeah. whenever this was all done and, and signed in the offseason. But here we are. It's Samsonov. And this is the team that you have. It's deep. I mean, it, it's pretty deep in regards to, to forwards. And, and on defense, I think this is the best defense that you've ever seen with the Leafs. I mean, it's, it's true. Look, That's look true. That is true. They, they, the on defense, Toronto, I'm not sure that Toronto has necessarily looked ever better, ever looked better than what they do right now. I just don't think it's, it means anything. Oh. No, I mean, I mean, it's just a case where you're in tough you're just in tough with the the teams that you play with in your division plain and simple uh you know 
Like, I mean, it's cyclical. Like, you know, there's going to be other divisions that are going to be hard to get through uh, for other teams. But right now, the Leafs just happen to be, I mean, and and for Leafs fans, I suppose it's unfortunate. I mean, you're, you're just, you're in an era right now. Like, Tampa Bay is just a monster right now. And Boston is deciding to have the best year in franchise history this year. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, and, I mean, their, their frigging goalie can score. Like, it's just, <laughs> nothing seems to be going. Now, like, it's just a case where nothing's going wrong for this team. And it, 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 it is what it is for the Leafs. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Dubas has done everything that he can possibly do. Yep. I, I really do there. I mean, without yeah. without giving up a first rounder, like, just on a yearly basis, just giving them away, giving them. Yeah. I mean. And and he, there in some cases he has given them away, but I mean he's done what he needed to do, and now it's up to the team to get it done. Uh, he's gonna, you know, I'm sure he's keeping his fingers crossed in regards to that goaltending, and it is what it is. Mm. But I I still think they're 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 gonna fall short. Yeah, get ready for it, Leafs fans, because you're not you're not a complete you're less of a complete team than you were last year. Um, so, but, and that's the thing about, that's the great thing about, um, sort of sports or adversity or life sometimes. Um, actually here, I'll, I'll put it this way. It's, it's kind of a, a, a poignant example. Um, Roberto Luongo, before he got, we went over to Vancouver the year before he got traded, uh, he set the record for saves in the season and he was one of the, he was the best goalie in the league by far. Uh, his numbers were off the charts and he got peppered. Um, a lot when he played in Florida. When he went to Vancouver, he became a mediocre goalie because he had better defense in front of him. My point is, is that maybe you need that adversity to show just how great you are. It helps you stay on your toes. Um, maybe that's what this is, or that's what this could be for Toronto in that, okay, we know we're going into this with a goalie that isn't experienced in the playoffs, is still young, um, we leaned on him heavily in the regular season and he proved he could do it in the regular season. Let's find a way to make him feel like it's just regular season. And maybe he does it for us in the playoffs because again, maybe that's, it, it's so, um, topsy turvy. It doesn't make much sense, but maybe that's why it makes the most sense because you didn't have a clear path with this group of guys with this group of guys. Your path is kind of murky. You're going to have to be creative and think outside the box. Well, maybe that's exactly what this team needs is to not have something, Well, we've got all the right players and they're all in the right places and everything's great. And the coach is great and everything's great. Well, you've done that before. You did it last year to the tune of uh, a, a franchise, an original six franchise having their best regular season in franchise history. How old is Toronto? How old is hockey? Over 100 years. The Maple Leafs had the best last year and couldn't win a cup. So I think maybe that's their secret weapon in that they're not on paper. They're not as good as they've been in the past, as, as good as they've looked on paper in the past. Maybe. I mean, that's quite the stretch, but maybe. <laughs> now, speaking of a team that doesn't look so good on paper at the present moment are my Habs. <laughs> now, listen. In regards to the trade deadline, I mentioned it earlier with the Gur Gurianov trade. I really don't think there's going to be much more than stuff like that. Um, you know, if Montreal gets somebody to back up the Brinks truck for Josh Anderson, possibly. I mean, especially with what Tampa, Tampa Bay just gave up for uh, yeah. Tyler Janot. So, I mean, 
I certainly don't think Montreal doesn't need to move him. So, I mean, I, I honestly don't True. foresee him being moved at the, at the deadline in all honesty. I mean, you still need players in your lineup and, you know, regardless yeah. of what you think uh, of the contract, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, it's a five mil or five, I think it's five or five. Josh five. Anderson's contract either way. It's not like ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's I, I, either way, it's not ridiculous. Um, so, I mean, I, I certainly don't uh, mind having him around either, but uh, you know, a Joel Edmondson, it seems like a possibility again, as long as the uh, as long as somebody is okay with the uh, the injuries of late. Uh, but I don't see Montreal being overly busy here at the uh, at the deadline. Um, I don't know. What are you thinking about your Oilers, my man? I, I honestly I don't. <laughs> I I don't want to get too into it because it's frustrating. Uh, more than anything else, it's very frustrating. But. I have to believe that there's there is something. <laughs> uh, I have to believe that there's something in the works because at this point, if Holland doesn't go all in this year, it'll go down as busy, as his biggest mistake, and quite frankly, it should cost him his job. Because um, I mean, what's the point of protecting hope? You know, picks if you're living in your best moment but not willing to push it to the next level. What is the point of all of it then? So if you're just missing one or two things and all it's going to cost you are some picks, I mean, like, honestly, why the fuck not? What, and why is it taking this long? Um, I know that Chitron's uh, ask, Arizona's asking uh, for, I believe it's at a minimum, two first round picks. Um, and who's the other? There's another defenseman out there that Oilers were linked to. And I can't think of it right. Outside of Edmonton as well. Um, oh, Carlson. Uh, but I believe Carlson is now is basically all but off the table. Mike Greer came out uh, yeah, uh, today or yesterday and said he expects him to finish the season in San Jose. Uh, he's basically, he's not saying he's not willing to trade him. He's just saying uh, the trade is not there. Uh, whatever he's been getting in offers, nothing makes any sense for them. So why would they do it? And I agree. Um, so now we're back at Chikrin. And Holland has to make it happen. If he stands pat with this team and keeps his job next year, uh, wow! Um, I would, I would, I would venture a guess that uh, a McDavid trade request isn't necessarily too far off. Or perhaps before that, uh, McDavid will potentially start to call out the organization in public. Um, that would, if I were McDavid, that's what I would start doing. Cause right now, if I were McDavid, um, I would be talking to Holland and saying, yo, my guy, we've got secondary scoring. We've got, you know, <laughs> we've got some holes that need to be plugged. Um, make sure that that's plugged before we get to the playoffs. Uh, and if Ken Holland, you know, comes back and says, sorry, my man, we just weren't able to do it. The deals weren't there. Bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. Um, of course, the deals are there. You're just not willing to pay to pony up or or make it work. Um, I can appreciate GMs standing firm on what they want in return, um, but there's great GMs make it happen. They find a way. And Ken Holland leading up to his tenure in Edmonton, I thought he was one of those great GMs. He, he, was, he seemed to be very good in Detroit and making things happen there, but... Um, Someone pointed out uh, earlier in the season to me this year that he actually had a lot of 
swing and misses, a lot of swing and misses um, in, in Detroit that kind of hampered their uh, their rebuild for a few years while they get out from under all those stupid contracts that Ken Holland was honestly responsible for. Ken Holland is starting to sound like, the, or starting to seem to me like um, the kind of GM that benefited from um, luck a little bit more than skill. So that's what I'm starting to see. What is Ken Holland's tenure in Edmonton, what does he have to hang his hat on right now? What is his biggest and best acquisition? Zach Hyman? Okay, I can take that. He's also responsible for signing Darnell Nurse to that ridiculous contract. So as far as I'm concerned, those two kind of cancel each other out. Beyond that, it's a lot of swing and misses. Jack Campbell, swing and a miss. Um, uh, Being so steadfast with your uh, with your picks, swing and a miss. Um, being indecisive about what to do with uh, Puliarvi and Yamamoto, um, swing and a miss. It's wasted time. Uh, these players and yep. what to do with them is doing nothing for you. It's just wasted time. So they probably had, well, no, they definitely had way more trade value last year than they do this year. But because you're like, I believe the answer is in that clubhouse. Well, <laughs> you were wrong. And everyone told you were wrong. You're very wrong. And now it's even more obvious. And now, good luck getting a bag of pucks for either one of those players. So you just, you cost yourself other things. Me, personally, it comes down to the fact that if this doesn't get taken care of, and I, I'm sorry, you know, we're always talking about, oh, he's got this here. No. Uh, it, this is coming down to this trade deadline here. Like the way Toronto's going all in there, Edmonton needs to follow suit yeah. because, and, and I don't, I don't know if Oilers fans feel the same way, but as an outsider looking in, I'm like sooner or later, one of those two stars is going to walk up to Ken Holland and say, I'm out. Yep. I'm done. I'm out. Whether, whether that's McDavid or whether that's Dreisaitl, one of the two are going to leave. Yeah. And I know like, Euler, uh, Euler Nation uh, has its has a a, a big love for Puliyarvi especially, um, and I don't I get it in the sense that because the argument there is usually that you know he's got heart he he does play good defense um, he skates very well uh, and there's still hope for him and all that kind of stuff but um, everything that's been said about a Jesse Puliyarvi is is available out there in other players um you can still get what puliarvi brings to the table but actually get more production out of a, a different player you can still get that so i don't buy into that um that you know you can this team can get somewhere with those players they haven't they haven't gotten anywhere with those players in four years and all of this is just wasting time is is he potentially is puliarvi potentially a great player absolutely but sometimes great players don't don't achieve that until they have a change of scenery, and maybe that's what he needs. So if you really, if you care for something, let it. Uh, if you love something, let it go or let let it free, whatever it is. Um, maybe that's what this is. And sorry, not maybe. That's what this is. Jesse Pugliarvi has not, if anything, throughout his tenure in Edmonton, continues to get worse. We didn't go out there and get Jesse and draft Jesse Pugliarvi so that he can be a fairly decent um, offensive player, and that's giving a lot, um, but a really good defensive offensive player. We didn't draft him for that. He was supposed to be at 20-plus goals, 
50, 60 points by now. That's where he's supposed to be. He's nowhere near that. It's time to let go, guys. And it's okay. It is okay. But just make the decision. Make it happen. Get off of it. Shit or get off the pot. And that's where we're at with players like Yamamoto and and Pliarvi and maybe even throw Fogel in there too because it's it's not working. We've got secondary scoring that we don't really need those players and but the problem is yeah at this point getting a bag of pucks for them you know that's about as high as you can hope so is it even worthwhile to get rid of them but that's that's ken holland's hole to dig out of that's his own doing that's that's his fault he needs to figure that out he needs to show what kind of gm he really is and right now it's it's the same bullshit every year it's i'm reading the terrain it's the same crap that we've always seen I am so sick and tired of hearing, of reading every morning. Oh, Oilers are in on this. Oh, yeah, this this player might end up there. Oh, is it? And nothing happens. Um, I'm telling you right now. In fact, I hope I'm jinxing it by saying this. So maybe I'm doing the Oiler Nation a favor here. Nothing will be done. Oilers will stand pat. Ken Holland will hold a press conference. He will say that the right deal was not there for them to take. They weren't willing to sacrifice the future, uh, all that kind of bullshit. Um, and he'll say the answer is in the is in that locker room. And that'll be what we hear from again this year. Um, and I'm so fucking done with him. I'm so done with him. Um, this team has so much potential. Uh, so much. There's so there, we should be on our second we should be looking for a second championship minimum right now um if it was managed better but uh it's not mcdavid's gonna have his best career year uh and he'll probably go down in the first in the first round of the playoffs that'll be it like fuck i don't know so frustrating folks this Oilers rant mm-hmm. has been brought to you by the letter F <laughs> and you. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. Okay. O- o- Oilers rant done. Yeah. We're good there. Yeah. We'll move on from that. Okay. Sorry. And no, hey, listen, you got to get it out, man. I can understand. Passion. It's frustrating for sure. Yeah. Uh, it is. Absolutely. And especially. And how can it not be frustrating with Jack Campbell? Anyway, we'll move on from that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm sure you need a break after that rant. And I know I need a break. (laughs) And our sponsors want to have a word. So you know what? We're going to do that right now when we'll be back shortly. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good. But most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be a big part of a big change. If it's something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon's start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Even if you know you'll love Raycon's as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options. Every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee 
Ready to buy something small with big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. All right, and we're back, and we're going to go and check your fanny, Mike. Oh, no, we're going to check my fanny first. Okay, let's check my fanny. Um, uh, nobody asked me about what? that. Oh, sorry. Come no. On. Oh, it's in the non-disclosure <laughs> agreement. It's all in there, NDAs. Oh, um, yes, just yes. read before you sign, my man. So, no. <laughs> So in the CFHL, there is there's there. So leading into uh, last week, there were two teams head to head. The big matchup yet again, Brigands uh, a part of that. Uh, <laughs> so it was Brigands versus Royals. Royals were on a seven game win streak, and the Brigands were on a uh, five game winning streak. So one way or another, one of those was going to get snapped. And as it turns out, it was the Royals whose game's uh, winning streak got snapped. They lost to the Brigands 51-43. Closer than the score suggests, uh, as it so happens on the very last day, uh, my boys... I had I did, I had a lot of players uh, on that last day, including both my goalies. Now, granted, uh, Darcy Kumper shit the bed as he has been doing a lot lately. Um, but uh, Ilya Samsonov, the exact opposite, also uh, as he's been doing a lot of lately, doing very well. Um, but aside from that, I believe it was Crosby and Malkin. Even Stammer chipped in. Zbanejad had two points, I think. Uh, Tavares. So I, I everybody kind of did their part, and I because leading up to that it was only a two point game, um, and I was definitely worried because before that I had an eight point lead, and I walked out of an eight point lead going into Saturday, going into Sunday with a two point lead. So it didn't look very good, but I did have ten man games to his five. So kind of the reason why I was able to walk out of there with an eight point lead. So. The other well, game, I mean, the league as a whole is pretty happy with you. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. Exactly, it made a big difference for a team like you, a team like my father's, the uh, the Buccaneers, who you both came out on top. Dragons won their tilt against the Pawn Hogs, forty-seven thirty-six. Buccaneers won big week, sixty-four to thirty-six against the Cougars. Um, yeah, huge, huge week. week. Yeah, we've had. I want to. I think I looked at it the other day. I want to say this is our fifth week where a team eclipsed the sixty-point uh, barrier. <coughs> I believe the tops is still sixty-seven, which I want to say was apocalypse, but I'm not sure about that. I had sixty-five at one point. Bucks with sixty-four. I think this is the second sixty-plus game the Bucks have had, though. Which the is Royals the most. have had sixty-six. Oh, the Royals had sixty-six. There you go. That I think that's the top. I think that's the one. Yeah. So um, listen. 
every week, there's seven weeks left. Every week is going to be is going to be a, an interesting week because it's so tight. Uh, now again, especially because I beat the Royals last week, what that did was that it brought the Buccaneers within one game in their division of Scott, and that brought you one game closer to to that situation between Scott uh, and my dad and myself. So we'll, we'll kind of break it down into three sections. There's the bottom section where there's no chance in hell of these guys coming close to the, to the championship. Then there's the middle of the top, which is going to be, or the bottom of the top, I should say, which is going to be you and my father. Um, and because then there's a almost a three-way tie, but there isn't only because of the, t- the tie that, that Joel and I have. Joel and I, so the Apocalypse and I have the exact same record at 13, 5, and 1. And then it's the Royals with uh, their record of 13, 6, and 0. Oh. See, that tie is a big deal. That's where our winning percentage, Joel and I's winning percentage, allows us to leapfrog uh, Scott a little bit. But again, it's it's by half a game that we're up. Um, but with you and my father, the Buccaneers, being just one game behind him, again, you're still only two games behind us. All five of those teams, with seven weeks remaining, still absolutely very much in the equation. Every single week has this kind of implication where whoever wins, um, sorry, not whoever wins, but because like, for example, this week you're taking on the apocalypse. So if you manage to beat the, to me, that's the big one this week um, because the Royals are playing against the demons. That's a foregone conclusion. Royals will win. Uh, Bucks playing Pawn Hogs, even more of a foregone conclusion. They're going to win. So my, the Cougars are a difficult team to beat. I'm hoping I can beat them this week. We will see. But all things considered, Apocalypse and Dragons, that's the one that matters. So because let's say you beat him, then the Apocalypse and I win. I, by all rights, I should win my week. Uh, the Royals should win theirs and the Bucks should win theirs. So that gives us all a record uh, well, that would give me the first overall if you beat my brother, putting him into one game ahead of you. I would stay two ahead of you. I would then climb a little further. Oh, no, that's true. The Royals would win. So, yeah, I would stay a, a one win from them. Same thing with the Bucks, two over the Bucks. So, you, but it every week there's that little bit of inching. Long story short, I need to win out, man, to even have a oh shot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like for you, yeah. Like now, I'll take a positive where I can get it. I actually won a week for the first time in like a month. (laughs) So about a month. So so happy about that. But I'm getting decimated with injuries. The injuries are starting to get really hard over at the old dragons layer there. Yeah, we're starting to. Jeez. Yeah, we're starting to feel it pretty good here. So the uh, the cards are stacked against us. Your uh, brother's got me in man games, as he usually does in most cases in most weeks. Um, so it'll be tough. It's going to be a tough matchup this week. But I will say, it, if I cannot pull a win out this week, um, it could be an interesting weekend. There <laughs> fire could, sale? There could be... There, well, I, we're not going anywhere near a fire sale, okay. but there could be some potential deals to be had if yeah. I can't pull this out because, yeah. I mean, again, we've talked about it before, Marty. 
it's not so much the games back that at that point it's the fact that i've got four teams ahead of me yeah yeah and that's and so, not just four teams four teams ahead of you that are are just finishing like long stretches of winning streaks uh, yes. teams that are not slowing down these are difficult teams to keep up with um and i'm saying that because i my winning streak is at six games i, I do feel a big portion of that is luck um, and that's fine. Sometimes you you need to be lucky to be good, and, or and vice versa. Um, but I do feel like a lot of that is luck. It seems that for you, the luck is going the opposite direction. It's having the opposite effect for you. So what unfortunately, never <laughs> because the other thing I find about oh, your team is. that is aside from the injuries, because yes, you've got four, and these aren't just this isn't four injuries to some filler players. You've got Alex Tuck and Rasmus Dahlin, two heavy hitters for you two big reasons why you're even still in the top now those guys are out but a sneaky another sneaky reason that has been affecting your win loss is what's happening on the island with Sorokin I his job isn't in jeopardy but Varlamov continues to come in and get shutouts he continues to be very very good when he does come in I have to assume the closer the Islanders get to solidifying a playoff spot, the bigger the chance that not that again, not that Sorokin's going to lose the starting job, but it's just there's going to be a pause potentially. There's potentially going to be moments where like you know what, Varlamov has is just come off back to back shutouts. Maybe we need to give him the hot hand just one extra game this week, and I do think that's what happens down the stretch. So again, Sorokin is the guy, hundred percent in the uh, in New York. But if Varlamov continues to play as great as he as, as he has been all season, he's going to get more serious looks down the stretch, which will cut into your win loss category, unfortunately. So you've got a bigger picture to play with there as well. So yeah, I mean it, it's it sucks for you right now because you were you were up there, you've been up there the whole year long. And now it's almost like you're you're watching your team crumble at the oh, worst they're... possible time. Yeah, I mean connect me, it looks like he's gonna be out for an extended period of time. God. Um Tortorella said, uh, came out and said that in the press today. Okay. Miller looks like he's out week to week. Fuck. Uh Tuck is out week to week, Darlene is out day to day. But yes, wow. uh, to further your point with Sorokin, as a Sorokin owner, I'm sure I felt the same way most uh, most Sorokin owners did in last offseason. And we were hoping, hoping that the Islanders were going to trade off Varlamov and kind of give him the full reign. Now, Sorokin is your number one goaltender on the island. I don't think that's in, that's in question whatsoever. No. The problem is that they have such a great backup. Yeah. That I wouldn't even say it's a 50 50 so much as that uh, Varlamov will cannibalize some of Sorokin's starts. Whereas finally, like Shusterkin, once the whole Shusterkin and Georgiev were broken up, I mean, you bring in Halak, serviceable backup, mm -hmm. but Shusterkin's a guy you're going to be leaning on. Yeah. As, as a Sorokin owner, I've been waiting for Varlamov to kind of get out of the picture <laughs> because they're paying him $5 million a year, so he's going to get games. <sighs> yeah. Wow. I didn't realize it was that high, too. Holy shit. Yeah. But, but having said all of that, 
I mean, even if you've got Sorokin playing, you know, lights out, this, that, the other. I mean, just between Scott, your brother, and your dad and yourself, I mean, it, somebody's on a heater, you know, at some point. So it's just, it, it's, you got to be pretty realistic here too. Like, again, not saying that it can't be done no. with the team that I have had the past number of weeks. Yep. I do not see that happening whatsoever, <laughs> but... But hey, it'll be uh, it'll if I can't if I can't win it out here, it will be an interesting uh, seat to have to watch you guys uh, duke it out for sure. So, but I mean, after last week's win and you taking care of the Royals, uh, you're welcome. Made things anything's uh, possible even tighter. If so, you pull again, out yeah, this like win, I mean, if you pull out this win against the Apocalypse, this is huge, man. This week, this week is massive for the dragons, man. Massive, massive implications, not just for the dragons, but for potentially myself and the Royals. Um, it, while okay, everyone else in terms of who's in, who's in competition for a championship right now, um, bringing Joel down a peg, uh, bringing the apocalypse down a peg would bring them to 13, six and one. Um, brigands would be at 14, five and one. Uh, Royals would be at uh, 14, 6, and 0. So they would actually leapfrog the Apocalypse at that point. And the Bucks would be at 13, 6, and 1, tied with Joel. Holy shit. Holy shit. Anyway, oh this is this this is going to be nuts, and oh I, I I think we're going to have I think we're going to have a lot to talk about in regards to next trades week. I as think well. Next week. Oh uh, yeah, I I think I think it's coming. I think it's coming. So anyway, th that's your CFHL. No, 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 no. That's kind of the deal. One more oh, thing. Oh, oh, one got, more thing. Oh, you got one more? Yeah, okay. just just because it's it's poor Marty. It's poor Brigands. Every single week leading to the end of the season is going to have a big head-to-head -head matchup. We know that. That's just how tight it is right now. But it feels like the Brigands are playing the vast majority of those big matchups. And you're not imagining them. Over the final 12 weeks of our season, which we're now we've got seven weeks left, I will have played against a top three team nine times. Nine times out of the final 12, I'm playing against a team that's in competition for the championship. The Brigands are essentially creating the standings these final 12 weeks. You put that fucking umbrella away. You know it's deserving. <laughs> this, I am exhausted. Oh, I am exhausted. With, you don't understand how many times... I thank you for turning your camera on just to do that and then turning it back off again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm how, having internet troubles. Yeah. Internet troubles. <laughs> I don't know how many times I have restructured my lineup for a given week on a Sunday night, especially on a Sunday night. But I, it stretches to a Saturday it, every day of the week. I've looked at the next two weeks. I don't know how many times um, I've played out every scenario. I've looked at other teams and their schedules. I'm trying to make sure that Sundays I'm more jacked up than they are. Nine out of the 12 are against either you, oh my, my brother, Scott, or my dad. That's absurd. And if I come out with this championship, you all owe me double. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, no. Those are some no. demands right no. <laughs> there, baby. I'm just saying this is going to be one of the hardest earned championships in CFHL history. That's what I'm putting out there. We'll see if Joel come out with the right stat, if that's true or not. <laughs> Jeez. Well, listen. I mean, you're you're if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it the hard way. Yeah, apparently, yeah. 
and you're going to go through the gauntlet uh, twice. <laughs> some of us, some of us didn't have to. No, some of us do. Some of us do. To be fair, uh, hey. Mike, you've got the second hardest uh, schedule, only behind by I believe two games difference. Like I've got nine to three well, you, for the last twelve. You've got seven to five over the last twelve. Something like you that. You and I, you and I should have the top two. Uh, most difficult schedules, and that's from the start of the year yeah. to the end of the year. Which makes sense. Um, yeah. But with, you uh, should have had the harder one because you won last year. <laughs> uh, listen, it, it's a matter of it's a matter of giving your brother the right amount of money uh, at the right, <laughs> at the right time. At the, at the right time. <laughs> ah, a little nudge, nudge, and wink, you wink. Figure... How's your father? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know. <laughs> Whatever you got to do to get a win. Everything's going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. We are on to beauties and and the beast. The beast, for sure. You've got that right. And I've got some, I've got some beauties for you this week, man. It's well, yeah. Double goes for your beast too. Yeah. That one's going to be a generalistic kind of blanketed. It's interesting. Kind of, kind of issue, but man. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, we'll get to that in a second. In regards to beauties this week, we're going to start off with Max Domi. So the guy's been talked about a lot through trade chatter uh, over the past few weeks. And of course, his production goes up a little bit here as he's gotten 12 points in the last seven games. He's definitely going to garner some sort of attention from some of the front runners because you're not just getting a guy that can kind of score. He does have a little bit of abrasiveness Mm -hmm. to his game. So you can imagine him on a third line. Uh, I, I mean... You know, on, on a fair bit of teams, he would definitely be a second-line player. But on some of these contenders, he kind of slides into the third line. Uh, a nice little scoring option on that third line. So, I mean, you're getting a guy that's 27 years old. So he's been around the league for a little bit. He's got 18 goals, 29 assists for the year, 47 points. Uh, and minus eight. And I say minus eight because in Chicago, it should be a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. So, I mean, the guy's actually played quite well considering his circumstances this year um and like i said he's definitely going to be a serviceable addition uh to any team's bottom six especially any of those contenders uh whether he gets moved or not uh we will wait and see here uh before the friday trade deadline i believe at three o'clock in the afternoon um so hey uh if somebody can get their hands on him uh, i could see you know what i could actually see him kind of in a uh, carolina type of thing maybe maybe that's just me huh. i don't know i'm, I'm just thinking Thinking that kind of fits right there, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, second beauty this week, Shea Theodore. I gotta admit, man, like th- this is definitely a guy I'll be keeping an eye out for. I I don't think he's gonna be kept by Scott, and if he isn't, I'll definitely have my eyes on him. Uh, he's been injured this year, but when he has played, he has been fairly productive. I mean, he's got thirty-two points in thirty-nine games. That's six goals and twenty-six assists, plus nineteen. He's playing over twenty-one minutes a night. I mean, again, it's been a little bit inconsistent in regards to the points coming consistently as he has been injured. But I mean, dude, Vegas, I mean, look at the talent that's up front. They got a pretty stout defense down there, too. And he's a big part of it. I mean, he's as far as you can sit there and say a one, a one B for the power play between him and Peter Angelo. But I think you really do lean towards theater when it comes to that number one power play. I mean, these guys are battling for a, a top spot in the Pacific here. The uh, Knights are. And this guy's, like I said, is a big piece of that. So 
you definitely want to try try and get him into your lineup if he isn't. Uh, and if you're looking to make any kind of a deal down the uh, the stretch here, this could be a defenseman that you want to kind of keep an eye on as well. Um, my third beauty this week is Dawson Mercer out of New Jersey. Um, listen, uh, with Timo Meyer coming into play here, you got the big fish, you got your big dog, you're adding to that, uh, you know, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, and uh, Jack Hughes, got Dougie Hamilton on the back end. Now you got this kid, 21 years old, six foot, 180. He's 21 years old, 59 games played this year, 19 goals and 20. Like uh, that's pretty impressive, right there. Like, uh, yeah, I haven't even gotten to his points yet, and 19 goals for a 21 year old. Like, I understand that you know New Jersey's pretty potent offensively, and he's only doing this with like a little over 15 minutes of ice time uh, per yeah. night. So, I mean, he's got 10 points in his last seven games. He is starting to figure this out. He is on the third line right now. And again, these third lines, I tell you, they can make <laughs> all the difference in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think you're right. right now, he's playing on a line with Palat and Halla. Again, not not really two guys that are going to jump off the page. But if you dig a little deeper, I mean, Palat comes from uh, Tampa's organization. He's yeah. been through all the cup runs. And Halla's, I mean, he's been in different organizations, kind of a wily veteran, he knows he's been there before can yeah. play with great players when needed. Like, he kind of fits really well, that third line. So that's a third line that can do some scoring and do some damage for you, uh, especially in the playoffs when, you know, you start getting to that third and fourth line. I mean, there's there's not really a matchup for that, right? So True. we're not as much anyway. Yeah. So now, you're just, so now you're just adding another weapon to that New Jersey offense. And, I mean, he's just kind of coming into his own right now over the last 10 games or so. And... uh couldn't be a better time to do so either. Um, in regards to my beast, again, blanketed issue, but it's how goaltending is costing contending teams. Now, look, I hate to go right to the Oilers, but that is a bit of a situation right now, seeing as you only have one good goaltender in Skinner. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I don't care what you're paying Jack Campbell right now. That yeah. is just not an option right now. Just not yeah. an option. Nope. And there are several others throughout the league. I mean, you've got the Minnesota. Minnesota is in a playoff spot, yes. But, I mean, they were really, really counting on Flurry, man. Yeah. And even if they do get in, okay, so they get in. Like, yeah. Do you, how, how comfortable do you really feel? Like, Marc-Andre Fleury is your starter. How comfortable do you feel? You know, going over to Toronto, we kind of touched on that just a little bit. Not yeah. saying that Samsonov has not had a good... Uh, second half here he's actually had pretty de decent second half yep but again when all the chips are down when you're talking about the lightning when you're talking about the bruins like it, it you know <laughs> yeah. they've put all of their chips in is this going to be the downfall is so i mean there are several other I, I i won't bore everybody with several other other issues with goaltending in regards to several other teams but you can see how it's becoming a very, very big issue to have at least some some decent goaltending. Like yeah. you have to have it. Like oh, there, yeah. there's a like I'm sorry. Going back to the going back to the Oilers. I mean, and and I I won't beat this to death, but it's plain and as day, plain and simple. Two of if uh, two of the best, if not the best, forwards in the game in Dreisaitl. And McDavid, and and you just can't get it done. 
you just can't get it done. God. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, it, it's it's becoming, you can't get, Va- Vasilevskis are just not going to be on every team. Yeah. They're just not. And my personal opinion is that I think you're going to see some of these teams go out and and, and spend on that goal. I mean, dude, you, you can't waste years of contention just because you can't go out and get that goaltender. If that means starting to spend somewhat ridiculously in regards to goaltending, yeah. I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I, I could certainly see it. I, I, I see it trending that way. I, like you, you just you you have to have it. I mean, for any Edmonton Oilers, and really for that matter, I'll even put the Leafs in there too. For any fan of those two teams, such incredible, incredible offensive hockey, high octane, highly entertaining hockey. But the the goal at at at, at the base of it all is to win that Stanley Cup, to bring that Little cup bit. home <laughs> to to that city, to that city. It's like, and and I I just I don't know Marty. It'll. It, I will be very, very interested to see how goaltending shapes up as we continue to go forward, because you can sit there and you've got a handful of elite goaltenders, like Shosturkin, Sorokin, Jake yeah. Ottinger, Vasilevsky, uh, and, and Hellebuck. You could maybe throw Saros in there, but you see how it's already starting to yeah to die off a little. Like you're you're only you're only about six or seven, potentially eight deep, in regards to like goaltending that you can count on. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, a, a case in point would a perfect example would be the New Jersey Devils. Vanacek has had an excellent, excellent year. Yep. But just so unproven when it comes to the playoffs, right? Yeah. Exactly. Now, I, I, I and and the hockey community needs to give the guy an opportunity to see what he can do with this team in the playoffs. Sure. What can he do with it? Okay. What type of goaltender is he? But there are so little of those goaltenders that you can just count. And I mean, count on. Oh, I yeah. mean, Vasilevsky count on. I mean, yeah. Hellebuck count on. Yep. Like th- these types of goaltenders, there's so few of them Marty. So yeah. f- now I shift that to m- my X team, whatever that team is, X team is in a, in a window of contention for the next three to four years. Well, if they take two of those years with what they think is decent goaltending and it doesn't end up being like you're, you're, you're wasting the window. Yeah. So I just wonder if there's going to be some sort of a trend. I'm not saying that you're going to be able to go out and get that goaltender. The other team has to be willing to trade with you. Right. But when you start to up the ante in regards to the price that you're going to pay for this, I wonder how that's going to go. Because, I mean, what's the point of a non-contending team or a team that's just on the fringe or loses, you know, first or second round most in every year to keep that all-star goaltender? Why don't you ship that goaltender if you can get a haul for it to the team that's contending now that needs that goaltending now, i.e. the Edmonton Oilers, yeah, right? Like, I mean, pick whatever goaltender you want as an example, but going out and saying, listen, 
I'm in my window now. I'm in my window now with this McDavid guy, with this Dreisaitl guy. Like, I'll give you two firsts and uh, one of my eight pro- or two eight prospects for that matter so yeah. that it doesn't all have to be through the pick cupboard, but you can do it through some of the players you have in your system. You, you can kind of see where I'm going here, Marty. I won't, you know, kill this point, but it'll just be interesting to see what are these contending teams that are in a contending window going to do when they just flat out do not have that goaltending? Are they going to go out, are, are team, some of these contending teams going to start to say, like case in point with Tampa Bay, di- completely different example, but this whole Janot thing, everybody's like, oh, that's an overpay, that's an overpay. But the team and Breezeball comes out and says, listen, a fifth, a fourth, a third, that the, the percentages of that player amounting to anything that Tyler Janot is now are almost impossible. Yeah. It's it's not to say that it can't happen. I mean, a guy like Kirill Kaprizov was picked in the fifth round. Now it's because there's not much Russian, money in that bank, that. though. So yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So it, w- it will be interesting interesting to see. But this is the long way in saying that my beast this week is those contending teams that just can't seem to get the goaltending that they need to either take it to the next step or that team that is outside of the playoffs needing to make it into the playoffs. It's uh, it's becoming something that's starting to really really hinder some squads well it's it's definitely a growing trend though because like you said there's there's only a handful of teams that actually have a goalie that they could really lean on and not second guess themselves like um like Vasilevsky goes out and has himself let's say a stinker of the night uh you sit him from one game and he plays the next five in the row because he'll be yep. fine he will be fine. You know that. It's Vasilevsky. He's the best in the world. At least that's my opinion of him anyways. Um, but then you turn around and you look at a team like Edmonton where they've got a Jack Campbell who they've, um, they would appear to have overpaid. Uh, he's in his first year contract and it wouldn't appear to be a very good one. Uh, and then they've got a backup unproven Jeff Skinner who's playing better um, than the guy you're paying too much for. So what do you do? right um well come playoff time you obviously play the hot hand but with a guy who's unproven that hot hand goes cold pretty fast um and there's no telling when that will actually be so when you look at the oh my god when you look at the free agents uh goalie wise for next year um i mean it's it's a variable who (laughs) list uh jones quick now sorry there's a couple of names in here uh, Tristan Jerry, that would be pretty nice. But again, you've got a situation where Jeff Skinner is there in the waiting. Who lots of promise with Jeff Skinner. I do think it's his team eventually. Uh, James Reimer always been very serviceable, but then you know Cam Talbot, uh, Corpusalo, another one who's younger. Uh, Aiden Hill, young as well. But then Antti Ranta, Simeon Varlamov. Maybe we do your Islanders a favor and pull him off. Anyways, the point is is that there's nobody on this list that I'm looking at going, fuck yeah, that's the guy. Again, maybe Tristan Jerry. He'd be the only one I would throw, I would say doesn't really belong on the rest of this list. It's just because he's a UFA. Um, But uh, yeah, it's a difficult... The landscape of goalies in the NHL has been getting smaller and smaller uh, as it relates to a, a, a true bonafide number one uh, and everyone else's second fiddle type of situation. There aren't many teams that actually have that. So you're not wrong for having that in your beast. Uh, 
Well, and listen, I'm like I said, it's just it, it's a case where it's just killing some of these teams, whether it's a team that's kind of up top and again like the Oilers that, you know, they're doing well. They're yep. they're 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 fighting for the division lead. Yep. But you can just there, there's there's this it's elephant. It's not in the room because of the goaltending. Right. They would be they would be the owners of the top overall in the conference if they had themselves a goalie like a Vasilevsky. Yep. It'd be lights out at that point. It would be, are you kidding me? You cannot beat this Oilers. Imagine Vasilevsky in Edmonton. Don't even do anything to the defense. Just add Vasilevsky to that team. <sighs> I mean, that's a dynasty. Take care of all your problems. Every, gone. Way better than alcohol. Whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. You'd have to, you'd have to get rid of Nurse there to to get into any kind of dynasty talk in my in my eyes there, bud. Ah. come on now, come on. Vasilevsky is that good? He can clean up the garbage. <laughs> okay. All right. So, on to my beauties, and in fact, we will begin with the Oilers, um, as we ended with your beast, more or less in, in the Oilers. Um, this one is just because we have to. Um, Connor McDavid, six goals, five assists for 11 points in three goddamn games. I don't even need to talk about him necessarily, but we have to because without putting, because you can't put him on a beauty. You can't, sorry, you can't leave him out of this list because 11 points last three games is 80s Oilers stuff. It's a joke. He's going to finish the season with more goals and assists than anyone in the league. And this is the kind of season that we simply have not seen since a Gretzky or a Lemieux. He is way better than the second best player in the league, who happens to also be an Oiler, Leon Dreisaitl. Um, he is way better than anybody else in this league. It's ridiculously so not even conceivably close. And again, it seems like every year we're discovering that, oh, Connor McDavid has another gear. <laughs> like, just when you think, no, I mean, this is it, and he'll he'll be amazing for the next five years. No, next year, it's like, no, it's even better. And yeah, he'll still be like this for the next five years, but it's actually even better than we thought from last year. So every year, it's even better. So he'll, he will end with this season at 60-plus goals. Um, and then God knows how many assists for, I think, around 150 points probably this year. Something that we just simply have not seen since the 90s. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I had to put him on there just because it's 11 points in three games. You just, you don't you didn't have to do there. nothing. <laughs> yes, I did. You Stop didn't. It. You didn't. <laughs> you didn't have to do a damn thing. Listen, it doesn't. Connor McJesus. It, it doesn't matter. I could put him on a list. I'm blue in the face. At the end of the day, I don't have a cop. So it doesn't matter. Great. He's a great player. Still have, he still hasn't won a cup. So, but anyways, for now, in case you were wondering. Your next guy does, though. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. My next guy, Braden Point. Four goals, five assists, nine points in his last four games. He had me worried. He was on. Oh. He's on Scott's team. And he was one of the reasons why he became. He came so close to me uh, leading into Sunday. Because I believe it was Saturday. It was either Saturday or Friday. He had uh, Braden Point had a four point night um, that brought him ridiculously close. That brought Scott re- very close to to, to taking the lead. Uh, but he's right now. Braden Point is actually l- driving this team at the moment because both Stammer and Cooch. Now Cooch has actually done better than Stammer. But anyways, they both, from Cooch's perspective, have kind of taken a break from scoring at the moment. Um, 
Point has always been a top player, but playing behind Stammer and Cooch can di- be difficult at times. But remember, Point's only 26 years old, so he's got a chance to eclipse his career best of 92 nuts, that he man. did when he was 22 years old. It seems like these are the kinds of facts that we should know that are just sitting there that everyone talks about because Braden Point is way better than his... Per, than his uh, his reputation would suggest. Everyone knows that Braden Point is a good player, but no one talks about the fact that he's actually a great player. He's not just a good player. He is a great player at 22 years old without any of the fanfare of a Connor McDavid, or let's pull it back, without any of the fanfare of a, uh, of a Sidney Crosby even, or a Stammer, or a Cooch. Braden Point came in at 22 years old, which I believe at that point was his third year in the league, and scored 92 points. I'm sorry, but that deserves more attention than anything else with Braden Point. But this year, he will potentially, he most likely will eclipse that. He's on, he's on, uh, he's on pace to score. I believe it's 94 for this year. Um, but again, at 26, I don't think he's reached his full potential yet. I think there's still room to grow for him. I think he's going to prove that in the next couple of years. I was a little concerned with him uh, in the last two years in terms of injuries because it seemed to be creeping up on him a little bit. Uh, This year, he's potentially put that to rest, but you can't say that until he does it twice in a row. So it'll be more about next year than this year. But for this year, ride this guy out, man, because he is the real deal 100%. He's done it before, and he's doing it again right now. He's He's pushing... The offense right now is going through him. So, Braden Point. I just cannot. I cannot wait for the playoffs in the East, man. I just yeah, can't the wait. East especially, yeah. It like you know what? It'll be great all around. But just to see how this is all going to play out in the Eastern Conference, some te- whatever team comes out of the East is going to be kind of beat up a little bit. I think. So yeah, probably it will be interesting to see how this how this all plays out. Wow. Anyway. It's an arm's waist, man. Yeah. Kind of like our league. A little bit. A little bit. My last beauty is Brock Nelson. Three goals, two assists, five points in his last four games. Now, this stat may not jump out like the other two, uh, but a few things to take into consideration here. One, he plays on the Islanders, so it's kind of obviously a little bit more of a defensive-minded first team. Two, Barzal, one of the only offensive players on this team, is currently down with an injury. And three, Bar- uh, Nelson just came off a 12-game point streak where he had nine goals, seven assists for 16 points and has already started a new streak of three goals, two assists in his last four games. This is his career best year already, and he's not done. He's the real deal this season. He will finish flirting with a point a game because uh, he's already there now, so maybe it'll be more. But this is a very impressive season for Brock Nelson at 31 years old. Um, Again, a lot of my reasoning for putting him in the list right now is because Barzal went down, but Nelson didn't miss a beat. He's really locked in right now. He's kind of a different beast. So absolutely ride him out. Very happy I got him in the uh, in the midseason draft. He's one of the biggest reasons why my team has is on a, a winning streak as it is right now. He's a big piece, man. Yeah, <laughs> I got lucky. Uh, and my beast, which is funny, because last week these guys were my <laughs> my duo for uh, my beauties. Now they're my beast: Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzel. Stutzel, 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 Stutzel. Uh, 
Uh, three games, one assist between the two of them. <laughs> Since propping them up last week, like I said, uh, the Sens dynamic duo has gone cold fast. Sure, the Sens have only scored six goals in those three games, but again, they contributed nothing but one assist in, in all of that. So they played against some tougher teams, sure, Boston, Carolina, but did put up five spot against Montreal, and they couldn't muster anything. So I don't know what happened. I don't necessarily expect it to last but given that Brassard this morning said he would like to see uh, Dorian be a a buyer at the trade deadline you still need your top guns to produce and these two going cold at this time is a bad time to be going cold like there there is a (laughs) mathematical chance that the Ottawa Senators end up in the playoffs um, and the reason I emphasize the word mathematical is because once you start getting into the realm of saying mathematically it's possible, it means the season's over and you're not going to make it. But if you somehow go on some sort of magical run and a team or two ahead of you goes in the opposite direction, then you're in. Then you're that Cinderella story. But you can't do that unless you win games. And you can't win games unless your top players play top play at their top. Uh, the rest of the way. And right now, those two just aren't doing it. So maybe this will kick them in the arse a little bit. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, disappointing. One assist. Come on. Well, I mean, Ottawa... I mean, like you said, they're kind of going cold just at the wrong time. I mean, Ottawa was on a little bit of a run there for a bit. They they were playing really well. Uh, you know, they had kind of... I, I don't want to say gotten into the playoff picture. They, they were still kind of you know, behind two or three teams, but they've kind of really fallen off the last little bit here. And uh, of course it doesn't help with uh, Kachuk and Stutzel kind of going cold, but it is what it is. It's only the one week where it really kind of, kind of hurt fantasy wise, at least for, uh, for Scott anyway. But yeah, um, you certainly hope that this isn't a little bit of a trend here towards the end of the year. I mean, a guy like a guy like Stutzla should be pretty used to be playing that full season there now. Like at this you know, point, I know yeah. he came from, came uh, from Europe, um, and they don't play as long or as many. But at this point, he should he should be uh, fine. Kachuk, I don't have no worry about whatsoever. No. Um, but I mean, rightfully so. Uh, you know, they sh- they're. We give them their due whenever they're playing well. And unfortunately, especially against that Montreal, that five spot against Montreal, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe they didn't have anything. I was yeah. like, okay. Like, it, it, but again, fantasy hockey, right? It's just, it's so weird sometimes. Yeah. And like complete, complete domination of the Habs. And they were just kind of nowhere to be found on the score sheet. So yep. interesting to say the least, but, uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, We'll have to see what the uh, Senators have in store for us here. The uh, the last little bit, last what here, twenty games or so. Twenty games, yeah, will, twenty that, yeah. games, twenty five games or so. Uh, to see if to see if they can finish the uh, season out strong and kind of you know leapfrog into next year. Because I, I'm I like many other people are just waiting for the uh, the sense to pop off here. So. Well, uh, I I would I would venture a guess that the Sens are going to fall out of the picture. It won't be entirely because of uh, Kachuk and Stutzla going cold, um, but I just think the reality is going to set in for them, uh, and they will be on the outside looking in, which means bigger decision in the offseason, I think. Uh, but uh, for now, I mean, if you want to hope in hell, you can't you can't be going cold right now. So just forget it. Pick up your boots and or strap. What is it? Pick up your Boots, whatever, strap your boots. I don't know. Do something with your boots and do better. <laughs> Just do better. Another one. And there in it is. The bar. Number one. 
number 51. Uh, this would be 51, yes, sir. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you are interested in reaching out to us, you can email us at two guys, a league, and some guests at gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes on our website at twogalag.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter for all of our info. Our handle is at twogalag. That's the number two, followed by G A L A G. Thanks for listening, and until next time.